0: stacy won 1201 that that is just the worst (laughs) amount of money to win oh what a whammy doesn't that suck it's like 1201 and change like how much worse is that than 1199 i know like a ton like (laughs) four or five hundred dollars worse like what number would you rather would you rather win 700 dollars or 1201 oh 700 definitely I think uh, it's close. No, from the taxation point of view, probably twelve oh one. But from the pain in your ass point of view, seven hundred. Howdy, it's Wednesday, December 18th, 2019, and this is episode 114 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz Podcast. I'm Kyle Askin, joined, as always, by Craig Stone. What's good, Craig? What's so funny? Just how long it takes to say 114. It is a lot. Uh, What
1: is good? I have a surprise of what is really good, which is, I'm going to Atlantic City in two and a half weeks.
0: Oh, nice. You're doing it? I mean, it's not that much of a surprise, really, but... Two-night trip, by the way.
1: That's the mm-hmm. surprise. Whoa. Once Whoa. that's once that's over, I have a feeling it's going to be another year before I get a two-night trip in Atlantic City. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have a surprise too, Craig. You're going to Atlantic City. I'm going to Charleston, South Carolina the week after that, so I will probably not be going to Atlantic City. Unfortunately, for the listeners who've already booked their trip from the 15th to the 18th, I don't think that's happening because I get home from charleston the 15th <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> are you going for work or are you going for vacation uh just the whole
0: me and the family oh okay that's, that's cool.
1: yeah so we can you and i can go later in january then i think that's still in play or like uh, early early february fe- fe- february okay. probably let's, let's, let's plan on that i think yeah. just pencil that into a calendar right now we've yeah. already said pencil in other dates <laughs> but just move it drag and drop to yeah. another date
0: yeah yeah hopefully your calendar has that technology outlook certainly you can do it outlook that's where i spend my life mm. i kind of
1: have to use it because higher up people than me use it right but then we have like multiple people on different calendars like this is dumb speaking of dumb this content so
0: <laughs> speaking of dumb 2014 oh boy 2014 what a year man so uh i i mean i don't think there's anything to talk about in 2014 other than the uh closure of the Atlanta club on january 13th and the showboat on august 31st and the revel on september 2nd good weekend and trump plaza on september 16th we were closely paying attention to atlantic city by this point like I talking mean,
1: about it a lot we didn't have a podcast yet
0: we had a podcast one year later
1: but obviously we knew that the shit was hitting the fan and this was uh-huh. going on and it was all very bad But looking back at it and seeing this stuff with the dates, it just seems like that's impossible. Like three casinos closing in 17 days seems impossible. Showboat and Revel closed the same weekend. I know. That's insane. I mean, it's, you kind of think about how much hand-wringing there was about, oh, the death of Atlantic City and all that stuff. And now in retrospect, it seemed very premature. But man, I mean, that's horrible. I mean, it's unfathomable to me
0: that that would happen again. I don't think it's going to happen again. I think that the market's in a much healthier place, and I mean, never say never. Who knows what the future can bring? But you can, you you'll be able to see the writing on the wall before the next the next string of something like this would happen. And it's not something I'm assuming is going to happen anytime soon, especially given the money that that is being made in in online gambling at this point.
1: So it's been five years since all of this. Do you feel like there's been a real lasting impact?
0: In our hearts, certainly, yes. But, uh I mean, the lasting impact, I think, is just the city's in a healthier place now. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you still see some of the fear
1: of sort of a going back to that period where everything was in, in such dire straits leading up to this, where there was this assumption that casinos were going to close. I don't think anybody thought it would be three and two and a half weeks, but... And and this thought that like every casino was, except for Borgata, was on sort of perilous ground, right? (laughs) Or like unstable ground. And I mean, my personal thought is that this this push that there's been or suggestion that there's been to limit the amount of casino licenses in Atlantic City is really based on the fear that you'd have this four casino closures in a year thing happen again.
0: It's also based on the other
1: casinos
0: trying to make more money, but sure.
1: Right. Yes. I mean... It's one of those things where it's easy to spin it as like, oh, we're looking out for the best interest. But in reality, you know, the only reason that any state is limiting the amount of gambling licenses is to line the pockets of the preferred players in this, right? I don't think there's any altruistic motive to, <laughs> to limiting the number of casinos uh, and to sell it to voters to be like, hey, there's not going to be a casino on every block, which obviously not a concern in Atlantic City. <laughs> Anyways... That's a conversation we've had before. What happened in 1914? It was very hard to find something for 1914. But luckily, I did find... Actually, because very recently there was an article in the press of Atlantic City about some storms that hit in 1914, I think through 1916. And that looped back to an article about one of those storms from January... Or Sorry, a front page of the Atlantic City Review about... A January 4th Storm, and the front page has all of the information about it, including some very choice 1914 journalistic headlines and subheads and everything that I just really enjoyed reading and will link to in the show notes. Do you have any favorites here?
0: I mean, right right away, what jumped out at me is wealthy visitor eluded his nurse. (laughs) (laughs) As a headline. Yes that's, yes, that's one of the headlines. Right. Yeah. By the way, you can't actually read any of the stories, so no. you just get the headlines, and you have to just guess what it's about. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was kind of
1: disappointed. Even blown up, you can't read the stories. It's just too, yeah. too grainy. So the the big main headline is destruction on Lower Beach during a furious coast storm, which you know it's about the storm. But then the subhead has a lot of Atlantic City and area information, like boardwalk shattered and bulkheads underpinned
0: at Ventnor. Undermined, undermined. Yes. Wow. Can't <laughs> read. Well, my favorite's the next line: "The wooden wooden elephant saved," which we all know what the wooden elephant is. Yes. But hotels and cottages are destroyed at Margate. Lucy
1: is stronger than the storm. That's right. Lucy is stronger than any storm. Smashing of old ocean pier wreck and fishing deck of million dollar pier. Principal damage here, here in Atlantic <laughs> City. Yes. Uh. So lots of stuff about our favorite old timey piers.
0: And then the next, the next thing it says is gale's highest velocity under 40 miles an hour, which, which seems like anticlimactic. I mean, that seems just
1: like a Thursday in Hoboken or Jersey City. So I'm kind <laughs> right. of confused about. Like it's wintertime. The wind's always blowing. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand how it does that much damage, but there's some other good, good storm stuff such as $3,000 yacht is sunk. <laughs> Brigantine is off the map. Great shock. Many boats wrecked. All one word because they had to close up the kerning to fit it into the one line. Just uh, a lot of good stuff. I think those are the main Storm-related ones. But then at the bottom half, under the fold, in journalism speak, there is some really amazing headline stuff, like the one you mentioned. Wealthy visitor eluded his nurse. That is not under the fold. That is, like, front and center. Oh, yes, you're right. It's smack in the middle. Wealthy visitor (laughs) eluded his nurse. Under the fold, you get things such as, great rube, in quotes, is arrested. Rube, I guess, was just like the vernacular of the day. Everybody was a rube back Mm -hmm. in those days. Missionaries' home, larger.
0: That's right. Additional (laughs) lot is acquired in Ventnor, and another (laughs) building will be erected. Yes. I really do like mini boats wrecked with no spaces in it, though. (laughs) I think that might be my favorite part. Uh, We're going to have to name the episode mini boats wrecked. All yeah, word. one word. Yes, yes one word. <laughs> also, like, big gains at the post office. <laughs> right, I, like, they're looking It at... sounds like it's, like, got a gym in the back or something. <laughs> I was thinking, like, they're looking at the
1: post office data the way we look at the Atlantic uh, City. Yeah, maybe.
0: I mean, I think that's actually what they're doing. But. Oh, yeah,
1: it talks about receipts. Oh, yeah. Anyways, I think that's enough 1914, but I will link to
0: that glorious newspaper front page so that you can all look at it. I mean, it's... I don't think it's quite up to the standards of, like... I don't even know which, which year it was, if it was like 1899 or 1903 when we read the article by the guy that just talked to every woman on the boardwalk. Yeah, that was great. Talked about where she was from yes.
1: and, and how, how hand,
0: handsome she was yes. and what she was doing in the city.
1: That article was the basis, the inspiration for Rube's Easter at Atlantic City.
0: <laughs>
1: which, by the way, no one has
0: uploaded yet, to my knowledge. I know. And In fact, it would be even worse if you had, because I've not been made aware of it. Yeah.
1: Speaking of movies in Atlantic City, should we get into the mailbag? Yeah, go for it. That segue will make sense in a second. So we asked for mailbag questions uh, at the end of last episode. and Actually, very quickly, some people reached out, so that was good. I got some emails, some Facebook messages, some tweets. So the first question is from Chris DeMoro, who you will recognize from the Art in the Game podcast, the uh, Springfield, Massachusetts gambling (laughs) podcast. How could you possibly claim to be an atlantic city podcast and not have any scoop on the new spongebob movie
0: just my my main thought is that i don't actually think this guy exists i think it's just Vito's second podcast but go ahead <laughs> uh so i didn't
1: know this movie existed so i've brought great shame to the a win name but if you watch the trailer which i'll link to You can fast forward straight to a minute and nine seconds, and there's about 30 seconds of The Lost City of Atlantic City, which is where SpongeBob and Patrick end up. And it's very much more neon than Atlantic City is and looks nicer, despite its underwater nature, than than lots of Atlantic City. Uh, But there's some casino scenes. There's the skyline of Atlantic City that looks nothing like Atlantic City, but has uh, casinos and roller coasters and a Ferris wheel. There's some people offering up some boardwalk treats to SpongeBob and Patrick. It's it's worth checking out, and I'm very excited about it. Are you going to see the movie? Uh, so I, I like SpongeBob, I have to say. I never saw the previous movie, which I also wanted to see and didn't see, but it didn't have Atlantic City. So if it ends up on some streaming service, I'll watch it
0: yeah it'll be uh a tax write off for us if you go to the
1: go watch it i should just take my daughter she would like it she likes spongebob i'll just take her Write off there's a scene in the trailer where they're playing roulette yep clearly i should take my daughter to see a movie where they talk about gambling and show clearly how fun it is i'm sure nothing will go wrong when they're gambling in the lost city of atlantic city
0: your your parents would be impressed by your parenting i'm sure they would it's spongebob
1: (laughs) uh so any other thoughts on the SpongeBob movie? Not really. Most important film since the Rubes Easter at Atlantic City.
0: Yep. So thanks, thanks, Vito, for sending us that question. Unbelievable.
1: Uh, <laughs> do you want to do the next question?
0: Sure. So Paul, you say, not that Paul.
1: I'm assuming <laughs> not that Paul. <laughs> yeah.
0: All I saw was Paul in the email, yeah. I didn't, but I, I didn't recognize the email address. So probably not your brother. Probably not. So Paul says, I've been to Gilchrist at the Basin several times. I don't understand why all the superlatives. It's just an omelet, home fries, and toast. It's not that impressive. It's a few bucks cheaper. I'll give them that. Not only is the food average, but the service is not great either. If you're not a local or a known customer, they treat you gruffly. They clearly let you sit, order within 10 seconds, eat within 30 seconds, and get out. wondering why I went back, I always go to this place several times before arriving at a decision. Why is this place so beloved? I don't care that it's been there since 1946. So... As listeners probably know, me and you both adore Gilchrist and think it's great. But I have to say that this email is certainly not without merit. No, the
1: criticism rings true. Certainly the service stuff. If you're at the Gardner's Basin one, they want you out. (laughs) Yes.
0: I I, I do think that at the Tropicana location, it's much more like high schoolers and, and stuff that serve you. And it seems like a lot of times if you're out at Gardner's Basin, it's more people who seem like they've worked there for 50 years. And want you to just get in and get out and move on with your life. Uh, For me, the food at Gilchrist—it's not uniformly spectacular. It's like there are specific things you have to order. Um, I agree with you. I think the home fries are bad. Yeah, legitimately bad. I think they're legitimately just like not very good. Um, Some of the breakfast meat I've had there is also legitimately bad. Like I think the turkey sausage that you always get is not good. Tastes like nothing. So I've never had an omelet there, but but for me, the, the things that do it are the pancakes, I think, are just spectacular. Uh, so highly, highly, highly recommend the pancakes if you're not doing pancakes because you don't think they're healthy, which is something I understand. Uh, Gilchrist might not be for you, frankly. I mean, I think some of their other breakfast meats are also very good, but uh, and, and certainly the prices. But it's definitely hit or miss with the food. Yeah,
1: I mean, to me, the only thing that I crave about Gilchrist, but I do really love it, is the pancakes. It's the best yeah. pancakes I've They're ever had. Spectacular. So, I, yeah, and I wouldn't recommend it if you were like, oh yeah, I really want you know a breakfast sandwich or something. There are other places you can go for that. I mean, bread. Go and butter, to bread and butter. Yeah. Uh, even Bill's Euro Sublaki, probably similarly
0: priced, and it's oh, going to have a give lot you a nice greasy s- breakfast sandwich. I'm sure. Stuff. Yeah,
1: greasy bread. Probably good omelet with whatever mixes. However, and if and you, so. you
0: want a breakfast sandwich, Do for a Win does not recommend. Going to uh, White House in the Hard Rock. <laughs> good Not break. a good breakfast sandwich. Uh, yeah, it's a large sub, right? Yes, it's just a, like a a, an egg on a giant sub roll. Yeah.
1: So, you know, I don't disagree with Paul, but I would
0: say... No, no, no. Get the pancakes. Um, and that's going to be the main it's, differentiator. Yeah, for me, I always get the pancakes, I always get the grits, and I get, uh, like, you know, maybe regular sausage or bacon or something like that and i think you'll you'll end up a bit better off
1: and i would also recommend i agree completely the even when i went in the dead of winter to the gardener's basin when it was so packed in and definitely like they're grabbing your plates as soon as they're empty you're sharing a table with other parties the tropicana one i've never had that problem and it does get crowded but it doesn't get that packed and it's not as crammed in so to me it's just a better experience for the most part except you know if you want to be outside
0: yep (laughs) But so, yeah, thank you for the feedback. And I think it's it it raised a good point. I mean, I, I I do have to say, Gilchrist, not uniformly excellent, just what they do well, they do really, really, really well. Yeah. So we got an email from Dave uh on Facebook.
1: He said, with casinos in Atlantic City receiving more and more money through online play versus brick and mortar, how do you think that distribution split will continue in the coming years and what impact do you think it will have to casinos in AC? If casinos get more money from online play, will they invest less in their Atlantic City buildings? You want me to go? Go for it.
0: Uh, I think that the split will continue to be tilted more and more towards online play as the years go on. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I don't necessarily think that means they're going to invest less, per se, in the brick-and-mortar experience. Because it's something they have to have. And... I mean, for a couple things. I think if they totally let it get run down, the Casino Control Commission is not going to be very happy with them. Yeah, But also, it's kind of... They have to have it. They may as well try to make whatever money they can from it at that point. I mean, it's still profitable enough for them to try to upgrade. So I'm not necessarily really worried about it, but I do think online play is just going to get bigger and bigger and brick and mortar. I mean, it's been up a bit this year, and we'll talk more about some numbers later. But uh, yeah, it's going to become be less and less of the pie going forward, I think.
1: It's an interesting question in that, you know, you you could certainly see the hypothetical where that would be the case. But if you look at currently the the companies that are putting not a lot of money, not deploying the capital dollars, <laughs> uh, it's Caesars, right? And th- they are not as well represented online. It's especially not in terms of their percentage right. of revenue versus brick and mortar. And they're the ones who are not putting a ton of money into Caesars and Valleys. They are putting money into Harris. But you'd think that if you would be like resorts and golden nugget not putting money in because they're really seeing a big percentage of their income. So I would think, you know, to me, the hypothetical would be like, Oh yeah, what happens if resorts or golden nugget really almost bottoms out in terms of brick and mortar revenue and, but they're raking it in online. Would they then say like, okay, we just have this license? I don't really see that happening like because of what you said if you're going to have the casino you're going to do the bare minimum you know making 15 million dollars a month in you know October or 12 million dollars a month in December or whatever is better than making six or eight <laughs> and and to get to six or eight like Trump Plaza end of life level oh, yeah. is, is just atrocious and and people people would be outraged and I think you're right that there would be uh that you'd get reprimanded um, yes. but you know the Atlantic Club with the Poker Stars deal—that was basically what Poker Stars wanted, right? Was basically just this thing that they'd have as a property to be able to do this online stuff. And so, who knows what they would have done in that case? Like, yeah, the, I mean, the that would have been the really perfect guinea pig, I think. Yeah, the property would have really been completely secondary to them and and just a, a foot in the door, effectively. But we, you know, we haven't seen that now, and it, it's hard to see an existing property getting to that point.
0: I mean, we'll we'll see if uh someone tries to make a deal with uh Bard's box of slots or not.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, it would be a deal, right? It would be a deal for for that or it would be a deal for for the Atlantic Club where somebody comes in and sees all the money that DraftKings is bringing in or all the money that uh Golden Nugget is bringing in and says, "Yeah, we we're going to get a piece of that pie." But I I think you'd have a hard time getting a license if it was if that was going to be your intent. Yeah, I think you'd have to come in with some serious plans for renovations or else Yeah, you better have, have some,
0: some capital not just to buy the property but to do some renovations.
1: Especially, yeah, especially with, you know, nine casinos now. Um I don't think they're going to let that happen. You know, maybe back in 2015 or something they would have after all these casino closed. Casinos closed, but now with the, the way it is now, I don't
0: I don't see that happening. All right. So Mark B asks, with 2020 fast approaching, I'm trying to get a real number for my gambling losses. What do you guys consider gambling losses? Sure, tipping on the casino floor, but what about housekeeping, valet, having lunch, etc.? So I think it's an interesting question. Um, and it kind of depends on what exactly you're getting at. Like, I'm going to assume that this question is just for your personal budgeting, essentially, because uh, I think for taxation reasons your gambling losses are losses that you have gambling unless you're a professional gambler I'm pretty sure that's the case so yeah I mean so for budget and stuff I I'll make a confession that um you know I'm like reasonably knowledgeable about credit card rewards programs and stuff now but for the vast majority of my adult life I was someone that paid for cash for everything so for me, yeah, it was – I didn't really know what I lost gambling per se, but I knew how much money I brought to Atlantic City and how much money I had going home. And so it was always pretty straightforward for me. Like I considered kind of the trip cost as a, as a whole. Um, what do you do? So
1: I, th- I think that's incredibly common what you do is you bring a lot of cash, fat stacks of cash, mm-hmm. and then you just subtract your starting point by whatever it is that you end up with once you get home and you say that's how much i lost and everything's lumped into there i am someone who every time i get up from a table or a slot machine or whatever i punch in exactly what i lost on that machine i'm also someone who pays for credit card whenever i pays with credit card whenever i can possibly pay with credit card even going back you know since before i was going to atlantic city so um so I, I tracked very closely and it, but it was an interesting question. So I don't count any, anything that doesn't happen on the casino floor in my gambling losses. So I don't count, well, I never tip valet, but you know, I never take valet. If I took valet, I would tip. <laughs> so, but so that I don't, but you know, tipping housekeeping, I don't include that. Uh, you know, meals, I don't include that as my gambling, as part of my gambling losses. If I end up calculating like trip costs at the end of the trip, I include that, but I usually don't even worry about trip costs generally. I just think about, the gambling dollars. Um, so the one interesting thing is, he says, "Sure, include tips." I actually am not. I know that I include tips if I sit down at a table and give them buy in for three hundred bucks, and then I get up and I have two hundred and fifty-two dollars or whatever. Uh, if I tipped however many of those dollars, and that's why I'm at two fifty-two instead of two sixty, I just say that I lost whatever forty-eight. I don't know why Mm -hmm. I picked such difficult numbers. Um, (laughs) but I don't, I don't know what happens if I'm at a machine and I just happen to have some dollar bills in my pocket and I tip with dollars. I don't think I count those dollars or even if I'm at a table. Definitely don't. Yeah. yeah, And even if I'm at a table and I don't have dollar chips and I get a dollar, I don't think I count those dollars in my losses either. So it, it's really just a system of if it's my buy-in. So when I get chips and then what I color up, it's that difference and then ticket in what I put in to get a ticket and ticket out. It's that difference. And that's all I track. And so if that includes tips, then that's fine. If that doesn't include tips, then that's fine. And that's sort of the way it works for me. It's almost very robotic, but, uh, yeah. that's sort of how I calculate. And so I do track it in a spreadsheet and I know like my exact yearly, I would say losses, but we're talking gains here. Um, actually not this past year, but. Uh, in the past, it's been pretty good.
0: Yeah, I mean, but for real people who actually are trying to budget instead of just have a bizarre obsession with their gambling wins and losses, I think I think the idea of, you know, if you're not going to be spending this money, like if you're not going to go out and eat all the time at home like you do when you're on a trip to Atlantic City, like I think it's definitely worth considering that if you're trying to figure out how to budget your money. So.
1: Yeah, so to, I did use, use the, these numbers. Now I've sort of know what my tendencies are and I've figured out pretty much what I need to bring per day. Uh, and don't worry too much about the actual numbers that I've lost in previous trips. But that, this is how I came up with, like, if I bring X for three days, I know that I'm going to be fine because I don't hit that number. And just knowing that it's a number that I'm fine with. Is a good thing, so it's kind of like helps me regulate and helps me know, like, okay, I'm not too worried about, you know, sitting down at the scrap table because I know I've brought enough money based on previous trips and how that's gone. And if it goes really bad, then I just have to do my usual thing, where I wander around the casino for two hours and not actually
0: play any machines. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, my advice is when I was younger and like I had to consider, I was concerned about budgeting a bit more strictly, like my gambling trip was thought of in terms of the trip as a whole like every dollar i spent was kind of part of the cost of going to atlantic city whether it was gambling or food or whatever and now that i'm a bit older luckily and it's more of a recreational thing i i tend to keep more track and i don't really keep track at all frankly but of just the gambling numbers and i don't think too much about the restaurants or the hotels or or whatever as part of my trips
1: one thing I do keep track of or not keep track of, but, you know, if I've lost some amount of money gambling and I've gotten a comp room, I will make myself feel better by saying, oh, well, I got a comp room. And, you know, you can only use that comp room to overwrite so many things. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a super, super reasonable thing to think. But that's the magic of the comp room and really comps in general. It's like, well, I did get, you know, a free buffet. So it's fine that I lost $300
0: at the craps table just now. Yeah. I got a free drink. So, it's, anyways, uh, thank you very much, Mark B, for your question. I thought it was a, a an excellent question. So, finally, Nick M sent an email. What are Craig's top five favorite slots beside Wonka and
1: Buffalo? It's really tough because the answers are Wonka and Buffalo are probably four varieties of Buffalo and one of Wonka. Uh, Buffalo Gold Collection is my current favorite. Mm. But I had to think. So I wanted to to only include slots that are still
0: available somewhere in Atlantic City. So let let me before you answer, I'll give you the real answer, and really, there's just one thing, and Craig's you know favorite thing to do is just not to play slots and just like look around and stare at them lustily, but mm-hmm. just not do anything.
1: So I learned some things about myself in lo- in trying to figure out my top five favorite slots. So thanks, Nick, because I you know this was a a good <laughs> self reflection journey that I went on. Am I wrong, Craig? I would have agreed with you completely before this, but what I really learned is I actually d- I do walk around aimlessly, but I also don't spend any time actually looking at the machines and trying to figure out if the machine is any fun. I just wander around and look at everything. And then once I decide like, oh, I'll plop down at this machine, I'm like, I don't care about, I I don't want to spend time looking up all the bonuses and stuff. Let's just see if it's any fun. So what that has meant is that I, a lot of times I default to, you know, Zeus or Coyote Moon or whatever that are like not very exciting slots that you just, Cleopatra, that you just see everywhere. So I, I think I need to play more exciting, adventurous slots, adventurous, like more interesting, interactive slots. My brother is much more into finding slots that actually have fun bonus games and stuff. I don't put that much effort into it. Uh, so maybe I should do that. The other thing, several of my favorite slots of all time are not available anywhere, including... Like damn Lumberjack Beavers. Damn Lumberjack Beavers. Probably my number two favorite slot of all time. And my number one favorite slot of all time, uh ball uh-huh. Which I think I could only even find searching nationally at Harrah's Cherokee. So clearly I need to go to Harrah's Cherokee... When just are, to when play are the ski ball song?
0: we doing that road trip? I hear Asheville is a beautiful city. I've never I've been. I'd, yes. I'd love to to go. It sounds like a perfect place to go in the summer.
1: That will be the Do For Win South meetup. that You know, we're very, we're very good at making meetups. We're very good at planning meetups. um <laughs> So I think I think you can start thinking about that for like summer 2021. Pencil it in. Here's what I came up with. I originally didn't have this on the list because it was. I thought it was gone the way of damn lumberjack beavers and skee ball. Seal the deal, which there used to be multiple machines at Showboat, and that's where I discovered it and played it a ton. Uh back there was like this sort of weird back entrance to the casino if you came out of the hotel towers, you could go down a little stairwell that was like to t- t- a bunch of slots at the showboat. If you went to the showboat a lot, you know what I'm talking about. And there were multiple Seal the Deal machines there, and that's where I first played it. And Seal the Deal, I think, is sort of similar Just like a reskinned version of the original Buffalo, I want to say. It's like pretty similar, except with seals. But if you get seals, it made this weird seal sound. And it seemed like, you know, the amount of times that you would get the seals and you'd hear the seal barking was, was pretty decent. And it made your money last a decent amount of time. So I loved Seal the Deal. It's totally a stupid thing. It was also one of the first machines that I played where I noticed that it gives you messages like, That was quite a good spin and things like that when you like just when you in won text. like 12 cents yeah. <laughs> out of on like a 50 cent spend yeah and like a 30 cent bet you'd win like 35 cents like let's see you do that again um which i also found very amusing uh probably on several six ounce pours of course light at the show but uh so that's my number one which is still at borgata i do i have played at the machine at borgata it's tucked way over in a corner but they do still have it Another one that actually is not really around, Dean Martin's Wild Party, can't find that anywhere, but there's something that looks exactly the same called Dean Martin's Pool Party, and they have that at Hera's. So those games are fun. It's like, it's a little bit weird in the layout, like where there's only four rows in the start, and then it expands out to, I think, eight rows after that. So like the first two columns are four rows, and then after that, it's eight rows. I don't know why I find that interesting, but I do. There are also lots of bonus games. Goldfish, number three. Uh, Goldfish was the first machine I ever saw where it had five reels behind it, and then the clear screen would have digital graphics on it. I thought that looked really cool. I also thought the stupid marquee or whatever you call it that looked like an aquarium was awesome. Goldfish 2, hard to find. They have it at Caesars. They have it at Horseshoe Baltimore. Uh, now you see g- original Goldfish and Goldfish 3 everywhere. Goldfish, very popular lotus land is everywhere as is china mystery and and all similar things to that those are konami slots the reason i have that on the list is because they're in my vegas and that's where i first discovered them so when i see them they're just very familiar and familiarity with a slot is a very good thing because you see all the icons and you know what they are and you know what their values are and so you know what's good and not good what sucks about starting to play a new slot is you're like i have no idea what's going on which is what happens with most slots Jump in any you want to interject with some thoughts. I know you love slots, so. No, you're doing well. Keep going. Uh, and then the last one, mainly because I just couldn't think of anything else. OMG puppies and OMG kittens. Just mind-numbingly stupid. And it's so obvious in what it's trying to, to do to attract you, which is just giant, full, stacked, real kittens. Adorable kittens and puppies. And somehow it works. I don't know. It's fun. I've played it both in online casinos, like Borgata Online Casino, and they have it at resorts. Uh, I think they also have it at Bally's. And it's the one problem with it. It's very boomer bust. Like you're either going to just win nothing, all your spins, or you're going to get like three full reel, full column length of the same puppy and win 15 bucks. 15 bucks really good on a penny slot. But if you don't hit that, you're pretty much screwed. But. It's fun for like 10 minutes at a time. And I think that's it. That's my five. But like I said, really made me realize like my brother's talking about Jurassic Park. New slots really good. All, there's all these licensed slots. Everybody plays Walking Dead everywhere. There's all these slots that I haven't even tried that you see all over the place. Like Lobster Mania and Jumpin' Jalapenos and stuff like that with a bunch of bonus games. I never play any of that stuff.
0: I played Game of Thrones for a while last time on went to AC. That was pretty fun.
1: So what I was trying to figure out... The last few times I've gone, I've played more like quarter three rail, just plain three rail, like blazing sevens or like whoa. blazing sevens, man, that's a, that's a good slot or like black and white or whatever, or triple mm-hmm. diamond. I like, I couldn't figure out which one of those to list because they're all really the same, right? Yeah, oh yeah. But those are fun for like, again, for just a few minutes, I can't do the thing where you sit down at that and play for four hours, play the entire day, which is how you get the real comps, but. They're good for like, especially for your free play. I think that's like the perfect use of some free play. Yeah. All right.
0: That's the questions. Yeah. I mean, I don't have too much to say. I mean, slots are kind of slots for me, but I did like Game of Thrones when I played it last time. I also did pretty well. So I think that's why. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But I also like the turnover with slots is crazy. So like Simpsons, I think we talked about the Simpsons slot Uh like a year ago as a really new slot. There's a Borgata gone. Can't find it anywhere. Plants vs zombies. 3D was a really cool slot. Gone. Can't find it anywhere. Danger Arena. <laughs> oh yeah, I did want to give an honorable mention to like Danger Arena and Nothing But Net. Uh, Nothing But Net was actually fun. Those are all gone. I mean, that's not as shocking as those are gone. But like licensed slots are just in and out so fast. It's really like, they are constantly getting data on what is the most, uh, effective use of their floor space, of their slot space. And if it is not working, it is gone. And so. Uh, don't fall in love with any slots is my biggest advice, because unless it's, you know, Zeus or Goldfish or anything by Konami, like, it's probably going to get swapped out at some point in the very near future.
0: All right. So I think we're done with our, our mailbag section. So thank you all very much for sending in questions. And we have a couple pieces of news I think we can blow through pretty quickly. So Caesars is spending $24 million to redo the Marina Tower, which is the only tower they haven't renovated in in recent history right
1: it is uh that's gonna they're gonna rename it the laguna tower so every tower well bayview waterfront still the same the and they've now renamed the harbor and marina or will have renamed harbor and marina Mm -hmm. so it will be the laguna tower are you excited
0: super excited
1: it's good that they aren't gonna have any like crappy old rooms anymore i think that's something that Atlantic City really needs to get rid of. Like you, your base room should never be just awful. Looks like it should be in a motel kind of stuff. And I think once this is done, Bally's will be the last really butt room in the city.
0: Uh I mean, I don't know. There's I mean, have you ever
1: been to the West Tower? So the West Tower is renovated, though. <laughs> it's. I agree that they're not good rooms, and I don't like the Forum Tower at Caesar's rooms. Really, like I yeah, think those they're, rooms, they're like fine, but I don't want to be nice
0: in, in quotes, but they're not actually pleasant to stay in at all. <laughs> right. But as far as just like old, unrenovated rooms, I always thought I actually thought the Marina Tower and the Harbor Tower both always like looked okay. Personally, I haven't stayed in them in quite a while though, but it was like nothing ever worked in them, and like yeah. you know. The showers famously would just always be clogged,
1: yeah, I mean, really, like the Centurion Tower rooms, which I really like, are starting to show their age a little bit, I think, as much as those Harris rooms where it's just like the actual it feels like the tower itself is just not very good
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, <laughs> and the structure of the tower, so I, mean, I don't know if those things are really fixable with the refresh of the rooms, like you know things like the plumbing. But who knows? Uh, we'll, I'll be interested to see. I, I mean, I, I know the the Harbor Tower being redone. Um Those rooms look very nice, but I, I haven't heard too much from people staying in them if they're nice or not. The room that I really remember was going to Atlantic Club with my wife for our anniversary and getting a giant room. And yes. being like, this room is huge. And it's just old as shit. Like everything in it was so old. But I still loved it because it was like classic and really, really old. And it looked like nobody had used it in eight years.
0: At the room I most remember, I think, like the shittiest room of my life. I think we've talked about this is I stayed in uh that was probably two thousand eight or something, two thousand nine, I stayed in Bally's Las Vegas, and it was like the oldest, shittiest, most beat up room I've ever stayed in, in my life. It was not not good. But I hear that like well, this was like as of two thousand thirteen or something, all the rooms were refreshed and it was supposedly pretty nice. So Yeah, people like Bally's now. That was worse than our Clarish room. Oh, it's close. It's close. I think... So the claridge room, like, the problem was, like, the structure more, I think. I think some of the furniture and stuff was okay, right? Hmm. Yeah, the furniture's pretty old, and it was yeah, really it was, cramped. It was, it, was, it was small. But again, that's, like, structure, you know? Obviously, it had, like, <laughs> the, like, New York public building-style toilets, and uh, obviously walls that weren't the thickest <laughs> in the world, as we found out. But... Let me tell you, those fixtures in that ballet room I stayed in were very, very bad. Should we talk about CRDA concerts? Sure.
1: Live Nation. CRDA and Live Nation has entered into a new deal for more beach concerts. So there was some thought. I mean, that deal ended uh after this past summer. So it's been – they've come to a new agreement for the next three years. It's $1.8 million total. Uh, and included in that is a three day event to incur, to occur some weekend in the summer of 2020. Uh, so the vote for, through the CRDA was almost unanimous. There was one holdout and that was resort CEO Mark Gianantonio. Uh, he was the lone no vote and he said, uh, I've said for years that the beach concerts should be put midweek when we really need the business, not when we are 100% occupied. So his Entire argument against it was this three day concert being on the weekend, which I think is pretty reasonable. What do you think?
0: That seems highly reasonable, especially for <laughs> resorts, which can use the help midweek a lot more than uh, probably other casinos can. So yeah, it just seems really
1: odd to me to put these concerts, especially a big three day concert where, you know, instead of doing it individual days, individual weekdays over the course of even if it's going to be a weekend like spread it out over multiple weekends so just to just have like one summer weekend. That's already going to be jam packed, like extra jam packed seems very, very odd to me. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, sometimes CRDA does things that you just scratch your head about. And I'm going to guess this is something where live nation was like, if we're going to get concerts together on short notice for the summer, this is how it's going to have to be. Or they figured this is a cost savings way to get whatever they needed to get in their contract. But yeah, I agree completely that it, it does not seem to make the most sense for the city as a whole. And if you are the casino reinvestment development authority, whose job it is to reinvest casino funds into the development of Atlantic City, <laughs> it seems counterproductive. It. Uh, not necessarily counterproductive, but just not as effective as it could be.
0: I mean, I think my one real piece of feedback about this is that it's hard to actually give feedback on this until we see what the acts are, because I think we've seen in the past that The success of these, like, really, really depends on who they get, you know? When they bring in someone like, I think Pink was, like, absolutely humongous, and, you know, like, the city was apparently insane the whole time she was there, but, you know, other acts they've had have been, like, much, 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 much less successful, so. Yep. Can't really say anything until we see. 1.8
1: million, $600,000 a year. Doesn't seem like that much to me.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, it seems pretty reasonable if you get decent acts. I mean, if you get bad acts, then it's right. not as good of a deal. But
1: Like if they're putting on live due for a win podcast on the beach, that's probably that's not a good use.
0: Not a good way to deploy the capital dollars. No, It's a good way for us to receive the capital dollars, though.
1: I would like to receive some capital dollars. I say that yes. we've done, we've made no effort to receive any capital dollars. Hey, we have shirts. You should buy them. We're not receiving any capital dollars for those.
0: I sold a shirt, right?
1: That's true. We did. I, sh- I shipped one out last week. It was great. Uh, you're like a regular
0: Santa Claus. <laughs> but let me tell you, I'm sitting right next to the box, and it's still pretty full. <laughs> Your basement's going to flood, and we're just gonna, <laughs> that'll be it for the shirts. I mean, that would probably be the least of my worries at that point. But <laughs> Not the least of my worries. <laughs> The sump pump stays up. (laughs) That's fair. All right. So finally, we just want to talk a little bit about some November data because it came out. So I don't know if you have too much to say about this. I personally don't. Uh, The city made $223 million in November compared to $209 million last year. However, there were five Saturdays. So that should be taken into account. The only kind of really big things I want to point out is that... Uh, Caesars had an absolutely incredible month that looks very luck based. Frankly, uh, they made tw- a little over $28 million, which is up over 25% both month over month and year over year. So I don't expect that to necessarily keep up, but something I do expect to keep up is ocean made 66% more money than last year, which is, they made $19.5 million compared to $11.5 million last year, essentially. So, and that is something that seems like it is a story that has legs. Ocean continues to do relatively well compared to where they were. So it seems like their turnaround is still happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, at first glance it was like, wow, this was a really great month, but you're right. The fifth Saturday, when you kind of adjust for that, it seems like it's kind of in line with the way it's been. So I don't have too much to say. I mean, no, no major, Losers, although resorts being down fifteen percent year over year.
0: They had a they had a very abnormally good month in November of last year. So right. So I think it's a- it's normal. Like they're actually flat compared to where they should have been. The only the only the only real story I think is Ocean just continuing to just light the world on fire. And by that I mean light the world on fire compared to last <laughs> year. I do think it's very promising, like
1: them putting up 19.5, yeah. you know, again, like it's not a great number for as big as that property is, but it's so, so much better than what they were doing last fall. And I and mean, you really
0: makes you hope that they can keep it going through the winter. It's $20 million in the winter is like reasonably respectable. It's not like embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's well ahead of bally's and resorts. It's pretty decently ahead of golden nugget. Like it's not terrible. I mean, I think the other story for me, you know, Bally's putting up $13.4 That's not so good. It's pretty bad. Well, here, can you, if you promise to stay at the bottom of the spreadsheet, I'll, I'll give you a quiz. Okay. So do you want to go through the 2012 rank in revenue? Can you, you think you could read it off for me? You can take take a guess. For November? No, nah, for the
1: whole year. It's It's not just in the order of the spreadsheet, which is in... It, it not is in not alphabetical. It is it is vaguely in the order of the spreadsheet, but uh, so a little insight. When I created the spreadsheet, I sorted it by rank, and then it's never <laughs> been resorted, which makes it a big pain every every month when I need to go enter the data. Anyways, number one Borgata, obviously. Number two Harris. Yep. Number three Caesars. Yep. Number four Bally's.
0: That is correct. So. I mean, I just – well, we could keep going, but it's – what a drop they've been. I mean, they were – I mean, for a while we talked about before Borgata opened, they were the highest grossing casino in Atlantic City.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Bally's did extremely well for a very, very long time.
0: Now it is the the lowest grossing casino in Atlantic City, uh, and it doesn't look like – I mean, they're only a little bit behind uh, resorts. I guess it's possible if they have a good December, they could pass them, but yeah, what a, what a fall it's been for them. But anyway, yes, Bally's was fourth.
1: Tropicana fifth? No, Tropicana was really bad. Taj Mahal fifth?
0: Yeah, Taj Taj in fifth by a pretty big margin over sixth. Oh boy,
1: 2012. Tropicana was doing really bad at that point, right? Was it? Is Tropicana sixth?
0: Yeah, it's Tropicana.
1: Okay. Six
0: down, six to go. (laughs) Oh boy. Can't even remember Showboat next? Yeah, Showboat's next. And, And Showboat is well, well, like $100 million above seventh so uh so now we're into you know so now we're into the
1: dregs i'm going to guess I'll tell you,
0: seventh and eighth are basically almost exactly tied resorts uh resorts is seventh yes by three hundred thousand dollars basically over eighth well
1: revel's going to be last because they opened in, in in 20 in in that year uh trump marina what we call yeah, Golden Gold, nugget g- yeah golden nugget is eighth or trump arena whatever yeah, so it was so we're not sure which it was i think it i might i think it have was golden, golden nugget, nugget then, by then. Yeah. i think it was yeah, golden we're nugget yeah cuz just thinking about when we talked about it which episode we talked about them changing yeah. name yeah, i think yeah, it, it would it have been, been before two twenty twelve. uh so golden nugget was eighth ninth trump plaza
0: Wait, hold on uh we're i think we're actually on 10th i think we somehow skipped that number but like we said all the casinos but our number is wrong so this is 10th trump would plaza. You say? Trump Plaza, nope.
1: Your Atlanta Club, Atlanta Club is tenth, and then Trump Plaza, nope. And then I think we did this wrong.
0: We didn't do it wrong. You just made an assumption that was incorrect. Oh, Revel not last. You you missed. Uh, you misunderstood how how horrible the Trump
1: Plaza was. Oh my goodness! So Revel was ahead of <laughs> yeah, Trump Plaza. Yeah, six months oh, of Revel goodness. did
0: beat the uh, the Trump Plaza. It was actually ten, like nine, nine months of rebel. Wow, but that's pretty bad. Let me tell you, Trump Plaza. Let's see. That's brutal. Trump Plaza had a seventeen million dollar Q four of twenty twelve. Wow, <laughs> They had a four point eight million dollar November. Unbelievable. It's bad. It's not not a good thing. All right. I well, mean, they had a in twenty thirteen they had a thirteen million dollar Q four. All right, Trump Plaza. Not a very successful casino. Wow. Oof. Look, their best month of 2013 was an eight million dollar August. <laughs> I definitely remember like sixes and fives. Four point four point nine. July and, July
1: and August were in the eight millions, and nothing else was above seven. Wow. Yeah, that was a property that got put out of his misery.
0: That was yeah, not, not doing so good. They had a three point five million dollar January of fourteen. <laughs> I'll forever miss the Starbucks and the bathroom. Indeed. And
1: the Do For A Win logo on top of the building, according to our podcast.
0: Indeed. Well, that was fun. I think that's the first time we've done a quiz since episode one. No, we've done them since then. Eh, maybe. I remember doing it in episode one, though.
1: Episode one, episode 114. Perfect bookends for me to announce that I'm leaving the
0: podcast. Yeah. well, let me tell you, if you left the podcast... It would certainly end. I can promise you <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> There's no doubt about who does the work here.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, I'm not right. leaving the podcast then. If you if you insist, <laughs> I will
0: stay. All right. So if you want to join us or any of our listeners in some riveting discussion, uh, you can do so at a Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups. Let's do for a win. Uh, read all of our fantastic content at doforwin.com. Uh, Find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and not YouTube. Uh, Reach out to Craig on Twitter at DoForWin, and send Craig questions to DoForWin at gmail.com. Can't wait
1: to go to Atlantic City, except I'm already stressing about all the planning. (laughs) Should come as a shock to no one. Yes, never change, Craig. We can talk more about that next show.
0: Yeah, thank you guys very much for listening, as always, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. And I hope you all have uh, happy holidays and and have had a great 2019 and even better 2020. This looks good as shit, man.
1: What are you looking at? Angelus Fairmount Tower? Yes, it looks spectacular. It just seems like so not exciting. It looks
0: cool on the inside too. Look at the terrible tin ceilings and like the
1: Oh I love wood those tin paneling. ceilings. That's my favorite.
0: <laughs> See? I knew I knew you would like it. I did it for you. Oh man, the the bar looks so tacky. It's like nineteen twenties meets like nineteen sixties in not a good way. Which means I love it like the bar is 1960s but everything around it is from like the 20s and there's a giant sign in the background that just says america we love it
1: (laughs) why have we never been here you don't like italian food i
0: don't like italian food